0: my my role in the air force as a um, nuclear missile operator i would go a hundred feet underground in a hardened protected uh, personnel silo and um, me and a crew partner would be directly in charge of our nuclear missiles Um, our primary mission is to launch if the president sends the order Um, obviously no one's ever done that in the, um, career so far, but then there's a ton of day-to-day stuff, um, routine tests, maintenance exercises, um, responding to non-routine maintenance issues. Um, I mean these missiles were built during the cold war. Um, so you're looking at 1960s technology that is still absolutely solid today.
1: welcome back to any given monday today's guest tom whitney who was the first guest ever on any given monday years back when i started this podcast so uh one of my favorite people in golf uh, air force veteran his wife is currently still in the air force they have four kids it's just a very unusual story especially on the corn ferry tour um and at the end of the podcast, I suggest you stay till the end. He talks about his brother, who was his best friend and a huge influence in his life, uh, who he lost to suicide, uh, three years ago. And he has been a advocate for mental health, uh, since then something important to me and a big reason that I kind of talk, I have been talking more about my mental health. So, um, before we get into the interview, let's talk about golf tech. You can't see me, but my hat says the way to way better. Golftech.com. Say this every week. Go get lessons before you buy new clubs. Or go get fitted at Golf Tech, get new clubs, and get lessons. It's an awesome way to do it. It's what's needed if you're going to invest in your game. Lessons is the way to go. Golftech.com. There's a location near you. So without with that being said, go to Golf Tech. And then while you're at Golf Tech, listen to the Tom Whitney podcast. Without further ado, here's Tom Whitney. Welcome back to Any Given Monday. The original Any Given Monday guest, Tom Whitney, joins us in episode whatever the hell this is. What's up, Tom?
0: Hey, man. Yeah, glad to be back. It's been, uh, oh, man, lots of years, lots of years.
1: Yeah, it's been lots of years. It has been. Uh, For those that don't know... Tom has a story that is unlike any other on the, uh, on the corn Ferry tour, definitely on the PGA tour too, um, air force veteran, his wife is an air force veteran and they have four kids. I know you and I have talked about this privately or, and on the first podcast for those that are listening, not listening though, or, or haven't heard your story. Was pro golf always a thing Tom was always a goal, or when was it when you went to the Air Force Academy to play golf was was pro golf eventually the goal um i don't
0: I don't think I had it in my mind when I entered the academy that oh yeah, for sure pro golf is a feasible outcome um I think it definitely manifested Um, freshman year. I had a really good year. Um, Sophomore, junior year, still kind of chugging along. And then senior year, um, I think I cracked into the top 25 individual uh, national rankings and um, I had notched, I think five collegiate wins by then. And um, I think it was at that point where I realized, hey, Serving in the Air Force is cool, and I'm going to do my initial time um, that I owe them back for free schooling, but after that, um, I have to give golf a shot, or else I'm not going to be able to live with myself.
1: Tom worked in a nuclear bomb site, is that right? Nuclear reactor site? Is that? Am I saying that right?
0: Nuclear, um, nuclear missile silo is probably the closest thing, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so my, my role in the Air Force as a um, nuclear missile operator, I would go 100 feet underground in a hardened, protected uh, personnel silo. And um, me and a crew partner would be directly in charge of our nuclear missiles. Um, our primary mission is to launch if the president sends the order. Um, obviously no one's ever done that in the, um, career so far, but then there's a ton of day-to-day stuff, um, routine tests, maintenance exercises, um, responding to non-routine maintenance issues. Um, I mean, these missiles were built during the cold war. Um, so you're looking at 1960s technology that is still absolutely solid today. Um, but things break, things go down. And, um, me and my crew partner, we're the first ones that, uh, basically everything goes through before, um, it touches the missile. So if it has anything to do with the missile, um, we're, we're kind of giving approval for the maintenance or security or whatever personnel, um, to do what they need to do first.
1: Also not on top of that. So, your wife jess is still active in the in the air force academy but let's talk a little bit about your practice routine so if i remember right tom you were like 24 hours underneath and then some set of time off and so that was your practice time basically you would come up and practice when you could
0: Yeah. So it's, it's like I had a full-time job. I mean, it was, it was a full-time obligation, but it looked a little different because I had that shift work. So um, you're right. We would be underground for 24 hours at a time. Um, So you're looking at noon on Monday and uh, you don't come back above ground until noon on Tuesday. Um, There's five, six hours before then of planning and driving Um, and then, and then a couple hours of driving back afterwards. So, so, an alert, um, which we pulled eight of those each month kind of took anywhere from 30 to 36 hours in total. Um, but then when you spread that over a month, along with another five, six, seven days of training, um, you're looking at a decent schedule to where I could practice on my off days. Uh, the cool part about it is, you know, I worked a lot of weekends, um, a lot of holidays so that that put me on the golf course practicing on random monday tuesdays wednesdays um when not a lot of public or uh, other players were out there so it, it made for some pretty productive intentional time out there
1: and i know we're shortening this up but you you serve for uh six years and then one of my favorite stories that you have told that not a lot of people have heard is you had if i remember right like Four years. Okay. Uh, Four years. And then if I remember right, you had like $7,000 saved up or some small amount. And you thought, like a lot of people do, that, oh, this is great. I have a lot of money saved up for pro golf, not understanding that, (laughs) that that's really nothing in the pro golf mini tour world. So kind of walk us through the first couple of weeks as a pro and what you had saved and how quickly that was gone.
0: Yeah. So, um, I remember we had 5,000 in the quote golf bank account, um, saved up and yeah, I mean, it's, it's laughable now looking back now, um, just because a week can cost two and a half, three grand, um, depending on where you're going, what tour you're playing on. But, um, yeah, fortunately the, the very first event I played as a full-time pro golfer, um, Less than a week after I separated from the Air Force, it was an e-golf event back in my hometown in um, La Quinta, California, and um, I was able to win that event, my my debut, so to speak, for ten grand. So I'm looking at you know thirteen grand now in my in my checking account, um, and this was in May. And fast forward to August, and I'm playing good golf and making cuts, and you know the money is still drying up um, almost to zero by the time I get there. Um, and then I get my next win for 10 grand and, um, you know, you just kind of keep it rolling. And, um, fortunate for me, as, as long as I covered my expenses with golf, at least starting out, um, my wife, Jess, who was active duty at the time was able to cover the family bills. Um, and at that time it was me, her, and just our, our firstborn. So, um, Expenses looked a little bit different back then. Now we have four kids and extracurriculars and sports. And, um, man, it, <laughs> the, uh, the money disappears quickly now after it hits my uh, checking account out here on tour.
1: Tom, again, I, I keep saying this, but I've, I've asked you this before, but when you got into pro golf, was there a time that you and Jess, Jess is Tom's wife, um, like agreed that it's X amount of years. Was it a financially based, or was there no real discussion? Like, hey, I'm going to try this and then kind of see year to year. Do you guys do you remember a conversation that happened prior to turning pro?
0: No, we n- we never really had that conversation. Never implemented an ultimatum. Um, it, it's come up recently. Um, you know, 2019 was um a tough year just with me being down in Latin America um 2016 was even tougher i was down in latin i finished top 10 but the money down there just um isn't going to cut it uh, when it comes to paying bills for a family and um yeah we we kind of had some honest conversations last year of just you know if if i don't think i can get above the corn ferry tour Um, it just doesn't merit me being gone so much, um, you know, over, over half the year chasing these tournaments. If I truly don't think I can, um, if I can graduate and, um, again, not an, an ultimatum wasn't put in place. It was just an honest conversation me and my wife had, and, um, you know, maybe it was, it was the kick in the butt I needed because I got off to a great start this year and, um, Believe me, the, the work is nowhere near complete. I still got a lot of tournaments left um, and and hard work to put in. But this is the best this is the best position I've been in at the start of a corn fur season in in a, in my six years out here. So um, no no ultimatum, no no talks about you know, amounts of of money needed or whatever um, right now. Jess and I both feel that, you know, God is still calling me to um do my work out here on the golf course and until we feel otherwise, I'm going to be out here playing.
1: To give some insight into that, I spent some time with with Tom and his wife. I mean, you have four kids now. Uh your wife is still working, uh is still serving. And and as you said as your kids have gotten older there's a stuff, there's baseball to be had and whatever else the kids are into. Um, I mean, the, your career needs to have everyone. So your in-laws, your parents are around babysitters, sister-in-laws, brother-in-laws, like it takes basically a tribe because you're on the road for weeks at a time and four kids need to go in four different directions. Um, so talk a little bit about that, Tom, just how many people are kind of involved in your career indirectly.
0: Yeah, it absolutely takes a village um, to make it happen out here, Um, not only logistically at home, but also just having the peace of mind on the course, knowing that Jess is taken care of and has the support that she needs. Um, And yeah, it's all hands on deck, especially with four four kids. Um, Next week, for instance, I am uh, skipping the BMW tournament and uh, my wife has some of her um reserve duty scheduled out in the uk um and so i was i was planning on taking this kind of middle event off it's the fourth event in a seven-week stretch and um i'm going to go out there and join her and spend some time with her do a little practice as well but um, it just seemed like a cool opportunity for us to get away and that that looks like back at home my parents driving in from phoenix and taking our kids for a week week and a half and then handing them off to jess's parents um who live just 20 minutes down the road from us um but yeah so you're looking at two different sets of parents helping out um trying to spread out the the duties and obligations and um everyone you know i i I can see it in my my in laws' faces when I come back after a good event and after a tough event. I mean, they know what I'm going through. We we share in the same successes. We share in the same um, droughts. Um, yeah, it's all it's all hands on deck. We're all one big team trying to get not just me, but you know, all of us to the PJ Tour.
1: Quickly interrupt the Tom Whitney podcast to talk about a new sponsor. Super fired up swag golf. A couple months ago, uh, when I started doing my own thing, one of my first guests was Nick Hardy. A couple weeks later, him and Davis Riley win the Zurich, the Monday Q bump. If you were like me, watching it, you saw his fluorescent yellow bag, super awesome. He is a member of Swag, uses a Swag putter. Uh, Nick became a, a Swag ambassador in the offseason, and I'm proud to say that Swag Golf is now a sponsor of Monday Q Info. Swags makes the coolest, most sought-after golf products in the industry. They really take the look-good, feel-good mantra seriously in all aspects of the game, from their putters to their head covers. Swags sent me a bunch of gear this earlier. I have the Zamboni one from like Nintendo 98 uh, on my putter. I have Uncle Sam on my driver. Uh, they sell out like crazy. This one sold out, but go to swag.golf, check out their offerings, and be sure to sign up for their email list so you don't miss any of their drops because they sell out fast. Thanks to them for helping out. Swag.golf, go check them out. And now back to Tom Whitney. Tom, you you said in uh, one of the podcasts or interview that conversation that you and I have had that I thought is such a great – because you face it more than a lot of guys on the Corn ferry Tour because you have a family. You talk about being on the road and coming back to a family system – that works without you basically like they know how to do it without you and you have to find a way to fit into the system instead of vice versa right like it the the family dynamic works without you there. not as good but it works without you there and you kind of like those are things that fans don't understand right it's like how do you come home and where do you help and where do you do those things can you can you like give us some insight into, to, into that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there, there's a term that the military uses, I think it's reintegration or reassimilation or, um, something like that, um, talking in regards to service members coming back from deployments and, um, you know, it's, it's nowhere near as long out here, um, on tour, but when you're looking at three, four, five weeks on the road, um, you know, I'm coming back to four different kids than when I left. Uh, <clears throat> especially the younger years, when the the two-year-old is now doubled their vocabulary, um, or you know, the <laughs> the infant is now crawling when they when they weren't even moving when I left, um, or the tennis player can now hit a two-handed backhand no issue when he couldn't even hit it when I left. So um, those changes are, are pretty significant. And then, you know, just on the the logistics side of, yeah, running the household, you know, they're, they're responding to one authority figure on the road. Um, but I think our parenting style has, has, um, we've solidified in them that they understand that whatever mom or dad says goes just because dad disappears for uh, a couple weeks at a time, you know, doesn't mean that he doesn't have the same authority that mom does. Um, It's, it, yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. uh, Jess and I both have to be intentional when I'm back. Um, you know, I, I step on her toes and, and just systems and routines that she has in place. And, um, she'll absolutely tell you, I, I leave stuff everywhere when she's used to having a nice clean Island and, um, I'll defend myself at another time. But, um, you know, it's just the little things like we have to realize, She kind of has her space, I I have my space, and then we we reconvene and um, things can be hectic for the short times that I'm home. But, you know, we we understand that we're a family unit. Um, You know, we're a family of six. We are united together. And um, honestly, we, kind of to our surprise, we thrived during COVID. That was the most consecutive nights That we spent together in the same place in our entire marriage. Um, Part of that has to do with being stationed at different locations. Um, And then when I was in missiles, I was spending, you know, eight nights a month underground away from the family. Um, And then in 2020, when COVID hit us, you know, we were off for three or four months and um, we didn't go anywhere um, apart from each other. And um, it, it was cool to see just how how well we worked how well we gelled and um, we ha- honestly had an absolute blast uh, with the whole family and entertaining the kids and um, yeah there's just a lot of facets a lot of um, a lot of things that go into um, not stepping on each other's toes respecting how she does things um, when i'm gone and and i just try to not stay out of the way, but um, I try to compliment her and um, and help her routines and systems rather than get in the way because it's it might be the way I want to do it.
1: All right, two two more things I want to cover. One has a little bit to do with the family, although it has a lot to do with uh, the golf game. You bought a TrackMan. First, I want to hear about the conversation how you whether Jess knew what a TrackMan was, and then second of all, how much she if she knew how much it cost but there is a family dynamic to that i assume tom is like you have set a net up in your room and in an extra room you can go hit balls and get some work on where you won't have to go to the range so let's start with the conversation of whether jess knew what a TrackMan was and more importantly how much it cost
0: yeah i think she knew what it was um it honestly was never on my mind to get one um, I've never been a huge numbers guy to begin with, um, as far as you know, club data, ball data. But I was um, not far into the off season um, at the end of 2022, and just just kind of assessing my my season and my performance, and I realized that I lost way too many shots, you know, from 50 to 100 and in, where <clears throat> I'm just walking away with pars or even sometimes bogey. And, um, especially the setups on this tour, we get so many wedge opportunities that I realized, um, I need to, I need to fix something and, um, I need to attack it. And I think the track man is the best way. Um, we, we weren't saving up for it. Um, it wasn't in the picture. And, um, but I, you know, this was kind of after that, that tough conversation we had about getting to the tour. And we both realized, hey, if, if this is what it takes to get there, then we're willing to invest in, in my future. So, yeah, we pulled the trigger and, um, I, it, it enabled me to be a lot more deliberate and efficient when it came to practicing my wedges in the off season. Um, instead of having to drive 20, 25 minutes to the golf course, um, setting up on the range, setting up specific targets, pacing them off, you know, hitting some shots, walking out to see how far they actually went. Um, I now have a device where it tells me exactly how far it flies every time. And, um, you know, I've been able to really dial in 50, 55, 60, all the way up to 100 yards. And um, I mean, that is absolutely the biggest factor that helped me get, you know, the, t- the two top threes and the um the sixth place finish in Dallas um looking back at those tournaments it's it's just the tightness with with um my wedge numbers and knowing exactly how far they're flying um so yeah it's it's been a great investment um the cool part is I can I can get a solid 30 minute session in at home and it only takes me 30 minutes from start to finish you know there's no commute there's no setup there's no teardown um the kids can be involved too sometimes They'll go up and they'll give me random numbers to hit it and i'll try to hit it and they'll even um, because they're a little smart alex they'll give me to a tenth of a yard and try to force me to hit it 82.1 and um so here i am trying to get better and they're part of the journey and um, yeah it's really been a good thing for all of us Um, you know helping me be more intentional but also a lot more efficient efficient with my time and, you know, that means more family time once my practice session is over. So it's been really good.
1: Tom, you, uh, again, going back to the previous conversations we've had, um, you have, and the track man being related to this, is you said when you turn pro, you try to save every dime. You're like sleeping in, two, in a room, splitting the room. You're getting the middle seat in a flight because it's $50 cheaper. And then you realize as you get farther along in your career, like, Hey, the exit row, you know, pay the $80. I get maybe an extra hour of sleep or whatever. And that is investing. You have to find that, that line, right, Tom? I mean, the track man is obviously another step up. It's $20,000 or whatever, but it is that fine line of saving money, but also investing. If you're going to make a run at the tour There's guys out there who have track men who are paying for first class seats every time doing those things, have the financial means to do that all the time. You have to find that balance of investing and saving and in between there. Is that, is that accurate?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can even relate it to scaling a a company, right? Like, um, Jess and I love diving into real estate podcasts and, um, we have a investment property in Colorado and, um, you know, you look at, you look at the successful real estate moguls. And I mean, the, the, the more, the more you want to buy it off, the more it's going to cost, but the more return you can get. And, um, you kind of hit it where everyone has to figure out that line for them. I mean, there's, there's still places where, um, you know, I, I struggle to spend more than $20 on a meal on the road. You know, that's just part of my frugality. And, um, I don't know if that, if that will ever change, Mm -hmm. but going from that middle seat to, um, economy plus, or, you know, sometimes first class on a five hour flight or, you know, international flight. Well, that's starting to make sense now that I'm 34 and um, body's getting tired. And, these stretches on the road are long. So yeah, they're all, they're all calculated. Um, but you, you're looking at, you know, all of these are business expenses and is spending this money going to result in me earning more money down the road. And if it's a yes, then, then you got to pull the trigger.
1: You talked about TrackMan being a, uh, a catalyst to your st- strong start this year. So three, top sixes, 18th in points. Do you look at points, Tom? I know there's a ton of season left. You've gone through a couple of cuts and one like T-54 finish. Do you look at points this early or do you just concentrate on playing well and look at points as it gets closer to the end?
0: Yeah, I should probably be looking at points a little bit less and just f- <clears throat> focusing on golf. But, <clears throat> um yeah, there, there's there's so many more tournaments left. I mean, we're not even near halfway through our season. Um, a lot of golf left, and I, I just need to harness the the zone I was in for those those uh, three events that you mentioned. I mean, if I can get just a, you know a couple more top fives, um, I, I should be good enough to lock up what's needed to graduate. Um, but at the same time, the goal isn't. To lock up, the goal is to continue, you know, top five every week, and um, you have to have the mindset out here that you're good enough to where, when your game is good, you should be in contention. Um, you know, if you're if you're good out here is top twenty five, top thirty, then you know it's going to be a really long, tough season for you. But um, if you're if you're good as top five, then um, you know you you'll have any any anyone. Um, we'll have a decent shot at at cracking that cracking that top thirty at the end of it. Um, yeah, thanks for the reminder. I probably should put the points list away and not look at it for you know another few events and just just focus on golf. Um, but yeah, easier said than done. Real
1: quickly, is it hard to take off weeks? <laughs> is it hard to take off weeks when you're like not that you're on the border? You know, again, this is a long season, but it, again, managing your workload and where you are in the points, is that a tough decision or has it gotten easier as, as you've gotten to be more of a veteran time that you can, Hey, we all need weeks off. I assume that part of you when you were younger was like, I got to play. I got to play. I got to play.
0: Yeah. Um, early on those decisions were very tough because every week is an opportunity Um, whether you're playing good or you're struggling, you could, it could always be that next week. Um, now that I've been out here for six years on corn ferry and plus another two down on Latin, um, the decisions are way easier to take a, take a week off. Um, just because I know my body needs it. Um, I, there's no way I can perform seven weeks in a row, um, so, you know, we have two seven-week stretches on this tour, and I'm going to skip at least one in the middle of those. And, um, you know, the, there's no regret. There's no remorse in having to skip it. It just, it is what it is. And, you know, a, a skipped event and a refreshed body with the top ten the next week is better than two cuts made and finishing 60th um, in each of those, you know. So it, it's all calculated. Um you know the the best guys in the world. You know they they're always talked about preparing for their majors, right? Um, they want to peak at their majors. Well, we're looking at how do we peak? You know, just multiple times a year to where we can get those those top threes, those top fives to get a, get us enough points to graduate. And um, at least for me, at my age and my chapter in life, um, and and the family I have, you know that that means weeks off during the tournament and, or during the, during the season. And honestly, I'm okay with that now. There's, there's no issues anymore.
1: We'll close with this. Um, I have talked more openly lately about my mental health struggles. Uh, Michael Bamberger's book, uh, I was pretty open about, about my past and, uh, a large portion of it. I've not told Tom this before. A large portion of it came from Tom opening up about his brother. Um, and, uh how close he was to his brother and it's courageous it's an uncomfortable conversation especially when it's my own um and uh and tom i know your brother was your was your best friend a huge reason you went to the academy a decorated soldier and you lost him to suicide um i know there's a a charity that's important to you and um just talk a little bit about your relationship in that charity
0: yeah, so I mean, we're recording this on Memorial Day, and I think that's pretty fitting. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just so blessed to have had a brother that was so interested in um, not only me as a person um, and interested in my family, but also um, you know one of my biggest fans and part of my golf journey every step of the way. Um, he had a he had a quick struggle with. Um, with depression and, and unfortunately suicide overtook him in January of 2020. And just since, since then, my heart's been softened to, um, just respecting really how, how strong of a hold depression can have on people. Um, it's, it's difficult to, um, to, to know what, what, what to do. Um, you know, it, at least with my brother you know he he wasn't quite dealing in logic um or rational thinking and um it's it's hard for you know a smart intelligent high performing person um who's used to thinking that way and you can no longer have a conversation with them and just tell them to snap out of it and um so i've learned that depression is not black and white um, there's a lot of nuances to it and, and really the only thing you can do is, is love on them and be with them and and um, walk through it with them um, I mean I'm grateful that I got to share as many years as I did with my brother and uh, I'm also grateful that you know hearing stories like you where um, just me being open about what I've gone through um, with losing my brother um, you know, if I can help just one other person, um, then I'm grateful for that. And, and, you know, hearing you speak up about that is awesome. And, um, you know, I appreciate you also opening up so other people can be pulled out of their, their lows. And, um, you know, we're, we're all on this planet together. We're designed to live in community and, um, you know, we just need to step away from ourselves sometimes. And if someone's struggling, just be willing to, to love on them, give them a helping hand and just sit with them if they need it. So thanks Ryan.
1: Yeah. Thanks Tom. And then uh, talk a little bit about the charity that uh, you kind of talk about that, that um, was important is become important to your family. Yeah. Uh,
0: One tribe foundation, uh, formerly known as 22 kill. Um, they, they had that name because they, um, Statistically, twenty-two veterans um, take their lives every day, and uh, that's just a staggering stat. Um, and the One Tribe is kind of what I alluded to, where you know we're all in this together. Um, let's let's pick each other up from the bootstraps. And um, so I've done I've done a birdie birdie pledge campaign with One Tribe before, and um, they're they're an awesome charity. They provide support to um, not only uh, servicemen um, after they after they come home or finish serving and they're just struggling to find their identity and sense of purpose, which is totally normal um, when you finish up your time on active duty. Um, they also support families of, of um, servicemen that we've lost. So they come around the spouses and the children and provide therapy and camps and scholarships and um yeah, they're they're just um, doing some great work where uh, <laughs> where where great work is needed. Um, they're they're loving on people that are hurting and um, they're trying to get that twenty two number down. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a uphill battle, uphill fight. But um, I think it's a fight worth fighting.
1: Tom and I try joke a lot, so I hate to be serious, but uh, Tom is one of my favorite people in golf. Um, funny. Uh, honest, and uh, um, and uh rooting for him. There's a rule, like people say, there's a you're not supposed to root in, in uh, journalism. Uh, well, screw that. Uh, so you know I'm pulling for you, Tom. Great family, great dude. One of my favorite people in golf. Don't think about the points list. You're playing great. Uh, let's go get that tour card.
0: Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, I appreciate your support. I love watching your growth and success. And, um, I mean, you essentially inviting the world in on golf's lesser known stories and journeys to the PJ tour. Um, I love, I love the platform that you've been able to build and, um, keep writing your stories and articles and, um, appreciate all the work you do.